When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. And good morning. Our lines are open. 1850-333-103. Bernie and Sadie taking your comments this morning. You can text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103. Email jp at c103.ie or tweet us across the show at c103cork. Ahead on the programme this morning, very shortly in the next few minutes, speaking to our GAA reporter, Fimber McCarthy, on those reports. We were hearing yesterday afternoon that two GAA clubs in West Cork have suspended activities while a number of their players await the results of COVID-19 tests. It's emerged that players from both clubs were in contact with a person who tested positive for the coronavirus. The claims come uh, that the the contact was made at a house party uh, last weekend. Uh, We'll speak with Fimber very shortly on that. Also, earlier on this week, we spoke with Father Sean Healy of Social Justice Ireland and they were talking about how Ireland now can build affordable housing so everybody can afford to buy a house. And as the house crisis comes back into the headlines uh, One Cork East TD is raising the issue of how we can do this and build affordable housing like Ireland did in the 50s with so-called council estates. Uh, many of those were built on land uh, and would have really been built in nearly every town and village and the houses were solid, they're still standing today and is this the way we need to go back and look at what we did in the 40s and 50s in this country because we didn't have as a, a high much or, or, or a high need uh, for this particular crisis uh, in those particular years. Now, some would say we didn't have the population at that time, or we didn't have the amount of people arriving into this particular country like we have now. But uh, still, if you look around any town or village or even across the city, you will see those particular housing estates. And they did serve a purpose at the time. They still do. Uh, So do we need to go back and look at that type of development? We'll discuss that on the show. Also, we heard a lot of calls from the Kinsale area this week. I didn't get a chance to touch on it earlier on this week. Busy show this week. But uh, we will discuss it uh, later because uh, some have seen a planning advert in local papers for an offshore wind farm. And many are asking, could this particular wind farm offshore 
at Kinsale be seen from the shore in Kinsale we'll find out later also we'll hear from well last week we heard from Crosshaven first of all about people leaving uh, disposable tents and bottles and beer cans behind after they visit a party on the beaches in that particular area of South Cork and it seems more of the same this week when it comes to East Cork we'll speak with volunteers from Clean Coast in East Cork who are basically picking up the rubbish of those that decide to travel to East Cork party and drive off again and leave their rubbish behind them and yesterday we spoke with Katrina Toomey of Penny Dinners on the current homeless situation and she was telling us about the night riders who drive around handing out food to the city's homeless at night Uh, they did this during lockdown and continue to do so so today we will meet those night riders on Fiona's Frontline Diaries as our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran has been out and about meeting those night riders who do some great work uh, with Penny Dinners we're also going to take a look at the local newspapers and indeed our movie review with Mark that and more to come between now and one o'clock this afternoon and your calls are welcome 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103 or of course you can email across the show jp at c103.ie and Urgent Need for Action is making all the headlines online and in the papers this morning as fears are growing that the country is at risk of another COVID-19 surge after an increase in the spread of the virus as more people who were infected abroad return home now public health officials yesterday they warned that although the virus was still very low and the levels remain low, there was an immediate need to take care and caution after 23 newly diagnosed cases across the country they were reported and that is an increase in previous weeks. It's also emerged that 15 of these new infections were directly or indirectly due to foreign travel and Acting Chief Medical Officer Dr Ronan Glynn he's revealed that nine of the cases were related to one travel cluster where the infection was picked up abroad and then spread to others including to people in the wider community. We know a lot of the new cases are for people under the age of 44 but some 77% of the new cases are under 25 years of age and they go on to say that it shows that COVID-19 is extremely infectious and that none of us are immune from this. And more concerns this morning from all quarters about the fact that the the, the majority of those who are now being infected with this particular uh, disease are uh, young and many thought the young wouldn't get it but it shows they can and a lot of people are asking is it because of all the house parties and the, the pictures we saw from Dublin last weekend is that one of the reasons why and it could be I suppose at this stage you know it, it depends on, on, on what's happening out there in the community also and the factor in of foreign travel and as you may have heard Murray say there on the news at 10 a Cork nursing home has suspended visits after a staff member tested positive for COVID-19 uh, that result uh, was discovered during a routine test it seems uh, of all staff at Care Choice in McCroom so all residents now need to be tested and Care Choice McCroom they last had a positive case there in April April and with all the talk of COVID-19 and the infection rates and what's changing and we knew this would happen as more and more people get out and about in the community uh, yesterday afternoon uh, we, we received calls and information from the GA sector in the Carberry Division in West Cork that two clubs have suspended GA activities while a number of players await the results of tests for COVID-19. Our GA reporter, Finbar McCarthy, has been looking into this and Finbar joins me. Good morning to you, Finbar. 
Good morning, JP. God, you'll be busy this morning if we have to get through all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, we will. And we'll get through <laughs> it, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, between, between now and one, we will. Yeah, uh, yeah. But this uh, particular story, I mean, we, we got calls about this yesterday. Yeah. And obviously, we were checking out the information regarding this. But it's emerged that some players from both clubs were in contact with a person who tested <clears> positive. <throat> Claims are made that they were at a house party last weekend. Uh, at, at yesterday afternoon, the county board said it was unaware of these reports. Yeah. But Fenbar, since then... <clears throat> One, both of the clubs or one of the clubs anyhow has come out and issued a statement on Facebook and another club has issued a statement this morning on Twitter Yeah well there was a WhatsApp message doing the round area early yesterday about a host party in Timmy League over the weekend and subsequent to that a number of people that were at that party played games over a period against several clubs in the West Cork division now you know as I said to PJ earlier on, the, on his programme you know you have to take all these <coughs> excuse me you have to be very careful when you see WhatsApp messages you have to be careful and check them out and make sure they're authentic the the newsroom sent an email to the county board who replied straight away saying that they're unaware of it and whatever happens they really dealt with through the, the guidelines but then late last night Eric Dean Rangers were the first club to say that they had suspended activity until Thursday or sorry until Saturday because they feel one of their members may have come in contact with a person who has this dreadful disease proved a good decision by the GA club but they must be commended for that subsequent to that then as you just mentioned in the last hour two hours Balance County, GA and Camogie Club have followed suit and said they are suspending their activities until next weekend. The problem I understand, JP, is that some people that are at this infamous house party played a game or a couple of games over the weekend involving a number of clubs and we obviously we won't mention those clubs and this is the, the cause of concern. So just the important thing here is hopefully all those players, people that are now getting tested will come out the right side of it and we can move on but it just shows how vigilant and how careful GA clubs and I'm sure all other clubs are being with this dreadful disease because as you know we've spoken about this in the past the precautions and the protocols every GA club put in place to ensure that we get back to return to play in a safe environment Yeah and I mean for GA clubs who are doing everything they are doing as you mentioned there to prevent the spread of COVID-19 you're going to have a situation whereby the majority of these players are young. They're, they are. Everybody's yeah. allowed to go out and about now. And I know from Kilkenny, there was a similar situation in Kilkenny as well uh, over the past week or so. It's a big, it's, it's something the GA will, will have to look at. I mean, some people are questioning this morning, should they have even gone back? When you look at professional sports where all the players are being tested, some on a daily basis for COVID-19. Uh, for GA clubs who are majority of them working in a voluntary capacity locally uh, like those there in Carberry I mean it's very hard to police this if, if five people are going to go on, to a barbecue like I was saying earlier to Simon on the breakfast show and if one of them didn't know the other had it and then it realized, they realised three or four days later somebody yeah. had the coronavirus and they've played a lot of matches in the meantime how does any club police that? Well, look, first of all, we're not, as you just said, we're all a voluntary organisation. We can't afford to do testing players on a, on a daily basis, just, just a non-runner. But you can only control what you can control. What a guy or a boy or a girl or a fellow or a girl does outside of the GA environment, club environment, you can't do anything about. You can advise them and ask them not to do X, Y, and Z. But once you, when you bring players into a GA club, or, or any club for that matter, we're specifically talking about GA clubs here, once you bring these players into a GA club for training or a match, once you follow the guidelines laid down by the HSC and the National GA headquarters, you're covered. 
If they go away to the house party, you can't do anything about it. And I know Felsen should be going back, but at the end of the day, uh, JP, kind of have to try and get on with our lives, conscious of what's going on around us, but to, to bring some degree of normality back into the situation. Young boys and girls and older boys and girls need to be playing because it's a very frustrating period. But as I said, once the GA clubs and all clubs do what's right, that's the, that's all we can do for this for this time for, at this present time. As I said, you can't control, but you can't police every player twenty four seven. You can only control them while they're in your in in your care for the hour, two hours that they're there. Yeah, and as you say, life is going on. People are allowed to meet up, yeah. and it's going to be very hard to know if you are meeting up with someone, even by social distancing, uh, that someone may have the virus or not if they are asymptomatic as well. And, and that's another thing. Again, yeah. where, where does that control come from? How do you stop all of this? I mean, one question that is coming in from a sports and GA point of view and a fixture point of view is what happens to a GA team, Finbar, if a player tests positive for COVID-19 and then he or she doesn't know for a few days later, they've played a number of games in the meantime. I, I mean, if you look at the, the fixture schedule uh, that is released, it's quite tight when it comes to yeah. club schedules. So uh, what happens then to the teams affected? I mean, it, it, this is one scenario. This possibly will happen a lot more because the virus is still out there, but yet we're all getting back to some kind of uh, normality, even though people hate using that particular line, but we are. Uh, so what happens in that situation? Yeah, I, the, I, I, no one really knows yet, uh, JP, because it hasn't happened to the extent that we would we, we, it hasn't happened but you're right in two weeks time there are 26 championship games spread throughout the county will will these be affected I understand the GA are going to issue further guidelines today about the return to, to return to play protocols what you have to do and what you cannot do whether they'll allow, only allow certain players in you know reduce the size of pan management teams and so on and so forth and try to be as cautious as they can but it is a concern I saw Michael Dylan and Michael Dylan and RT last night he's chairman of the Offaly County Board and he was saying the same thing I suppose if it happens in a match or prior to a championship match or just after a championship match the players involved in the, in that particular game will have to stand down and isolate her whatever the case may be, and seeking the, hopefully they'll turn out clear. But it, it, it is a concern. It is a concern, given the amount of games that we'll be playing in the next couple of weeks. And we just have to keep our fingers crossed, and hopefully, once we do the right thing, and hopefully we'll get on with it. But it's a big, big ask. He's going to put a strain on players and officials. I mean, for instance, championship matches in a couple of weeks' time, 500 maximum as a load, loaded a game. And that includes the two teams the referee and his officials and the stewards involved in the game. So how that's going to be patrolled or controlled by the GA, by the Cork County Board, I don't know. I'm sure we'll get guidance on that in the coming days. Yeah, and it's even tough for the County Board and the GA management as yeah. a whole because it's just something, as you said, no one knows a lot of the answers no. to this. And, and yeah. how do you work around this? I mean, uh, these are just two GA clubs who have done the best that, that they have done. I mean, that they've come out and, and have, uh, publicly and on their own platforms and said it, but it's no fault to them because it's going to be another J club in a few weeks. Given the nature at the moment, and you would have seen the press conference regarding the R-rate, Finber, I'm sure yesterday evening on the yeah, news, yeah. Uh, that's nearly at one, if not at one. And then you have a situation whereby the stats are showing those under 44 and under 25 are now getting the virus more so. So if it's out there yeah. in that age group and they're the majority of the ones playing, uh, this is a very difficult scenario for every sport. Yeah, it is indeed. And, uh, you know, I was... I saw those figures yesterday and I was, I was very much surprised by the age profile. 
it takes me out of that anyway, Jay, because I can't be on that. Just <laughs> okay. but, but, you know, you still not, need to mind yourself. <laughs> not, not, to, not to make light of it, but that, that is a worry because most of the last playing our games, boys and girls, hurling football, camogie ladies football, are all of a certain age and that would be a cause of concern. But it, it, it's a reflection on the way society has opened up in the last couple of weeks that, that this has now happened. It, it's a dreadful disease and it's going to put such a strain on everyone in the next few weeks. Should we open up? We've made a decision to open up and to play games. We just hope we can get it right and that everybody will come out the right side. But it's going to, as I said, but I wanted to repeat myself, it is going to be challenging for everyone involved. Yeah, a big challenge. And then, of course, I'm seeing texts already coming in from people who are saying that then affects the wider community because you have someone yes, who's playing a game yeah. and then if they are being tested, there's the question mark over them and their family and where their family works. So it's just going to be not only a, a sporting issue, yeah. but spreading across the whole community. Are the GA going to come out overall with some more further advice for local clubs than what they have? And, and, and when would that come? I know it's going to be tough for them even to come up with this particular advice because they are only going on what they can from the Department of Health and the HSC. But are they going to come out with more or further protocols over the next few days? Well, I understand. I was talking to a friend of mine last night, Damien Lawler, who's working now for, for RT. Damien and I go back a long way. He was of the opinion that the GR about might issue a statement sometime this afternoon uh, upgrading or giving more advice on how to go about a few protocols around matches and match venues and so on and so forth. But just a, just a simple thing now, JP, in a couple of weeks' time, all those games are going to take place. The majority of the people that would man those gates, as we, without naming any club, we just, a host club, we said, are hosting a championship match. The majority of the people that host that are a certain age, will they be conscious of going out, handling money and handling tickets? It's 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 a minefield. But hopefully we'll get proper guide, we'll get good guidance from both the county board and from the GA. I understand there could be a state a release, an updated protocol this afternoon. Hopefully that comes and gives a clearer picture. But the big thing is that hopefully all those guys that are tested, uh, that have been looked after down in, in those two GA clubs, come out the right side of this and we can move on. And very finally, just a, a number of texts in and just sum them up, a text from Dan. And regarding club games and, and what I mentioned earlier about professional players being tested, he's saying if it does get out of hand, if we have more and more clubs, let's say, in County Clare and Kilkenny, in Cork and Tipperary, and, and this happens more regularly every week, is it a case the GA would just have to pull the club level championship? I would think so. Yeah, yeah I would think so. That's, that's the possibility at this stage. And if you pull the club level, you, then obviously you'll have to pull in the county level because it's the same thing. We're all in the one community. Like a player playing with his club, and playing with his the county players come from clubs. And if a player, if if a certain club in Cork has to stop because of a player is infected, and they've got in the Cork panel, that guy can't go into the Cork panel or any panel for that matter. So it is. It it would be a concern. Okay, Femmer, we'll, we'll keep updated with that developing story we'll across the day we'll and we'll, we'll be positive and, and uh, are obviously, first of all, our thoughts are with everybody in exactly. those J clubs and everybody who may uh, be going for testing uh, in that um, and connected with those J clubs. Our best of luck to everybody there and we'll be positive about yeah, it all. Think, yeah, and I think, JP, we should commend both Argadine and for for the swift action they took in suspending their activities. It shows that they're responsible people running those clubs. Yeah. Are there are most clubs, but they've taken swift action and, and let's hope that it, it all works out. Indeed, well done to all in Timberlake and Banlascarthy. And, and again, uh, not their fault. And it's, it's something that is in the community. It could be any one of us, you know. So it's, 
it's, yep. it's, it's just a, 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 not even a, it is a warning time but it's just the uncertainty of how to deal with these things now that everything and everybody is back out for the moment Fimber uh, we'll see how this develops uh, from the J over uh, the next few days uh, thanks for joining us that's our J reporter Fimber McCarthy your views are welcome 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103 and speaking to Fimber there just about uh, the how the J is going to deal now with COVID-19 after the suspension of a play for two players uh, for two clubs even uh, in the uh, Carberry division of West Cork and that's obviously something that every J club is looking at it's not only happening uh, here in Cork it's happened elsewhere in the country as well but on that another question in relation to going to matches and Fimber by the way is checking this out for us Uh, But it is a good point. If there is over 500 people at a match, do people with a season ticket, are they being left in then? How will that work? Uh, Finbar is looking into that for us and hopefully we'll have an answer before the end of the show for you on that. And also Caroline saying, uh, Hi John Paul, is this not a warning? If numbers are rising due to house parties, what will happen when pubs open up fully? It's a huge mistake opening the pubs, a cause for concern, uh, says Caroline on text to 0862. 103 103 your views are, are welcome on that and you can tweet as well at C103 Cork on ahead in the next hour we will be looking at and I see comments coming in from various people living by the coast that this is how people are going along to the beach bringing tents bringing barbecues and then leaving them behind and destroying the coastal regions of Cork discussing that after 11 but on the way we are going to hear how is it now for us time to build affordable housing like Ireland did in the 50s uh, with the so many so-called council estates uh, we have that were built in clusters in the 50s and 60s. Should we do that now? Discussing that next. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Earlier this week we spoke with Father Sean Healy of Social Justice Ireland on the need for affordable housing and how this can be achieved. Now Cork East Labour Deputy Sean Sherlock has said we are in the dark ages when it comes to our public housing projects and Sean, jo- Sean joins me uh, this morning on the show. Good morning to you Sean. Good morning, John Paul. And it's something that has been discussed a lot this week and a lot of people have said what you're saying because if you look at the 30s, 40s and 50s in this country, the state did build council estates which housed many families in this country. So a lot asking, when you look around, those houses were fine solid houses, they still remain today. Why cannot we do something similar now? Well, there's a major challenge and I think it's a challenge that can be overcome and you're right to absolutely say that uh, there was a golden age of house building in the 30s, 40s and 50s because they, the state backed the projects. They were state-backed projects and they were run by the state and, uh, you know, the, through the local authorities and there was a clear vision on the part of uh, politics and politicians then to ensure that you know everybody within the the state, if you will, would ha- have a house somewhere. Uh, you know things have gotten lost, and I think there's an opportunity now uh, where you know, notwithstanding the uncertainties around you know COVID and the financial position, you know, in respect to the public finances, but I still think that that presents an opportunity because there is a borrowing provision now which should allow us to pump literally millions into house building and to bring some energy again back into the whole issue of house building and 
you know, it's not a a partisan issue. You know, we all, I think, have played our part or bought into the idea that public housing, you know, you know, to to a large extent, was being provided by the private sector. And somewhere along the line, we switched from public housing provision to to you know to over reliance, I think, on the private sector through what they call part uh, part eight of the you know the planning process and so on. So. I think what we need now is to get back to basics. And I think the local authorities have a major role to play in this. I would argue that perhaps local authorities over the last 20 years or so have lost what I call a certain amount of corporate memory in terms of the, their ability to deliver lock, stock and barrel, you know, shovel-ready projects. And I think that's because a lot of you know good people have gone out of the system and we've become over-reliant maybe on the private sector and on, you know, to a greater extent, housing associations and, you know, the voluntary sector. But that's not to blame local authorities for that. I think that was a function of, you know, policy, if you will, over the last 20 years. But certainly now, I think, uh, there's an opportunity for the incoming housing minister, Dara O'Brien, to, to really, you know, grab the bull by the horns on this one. And and I think we across the political divide will work with him, uh, you know, to try and ensure that we can get people off housing lists. Because I said in the doll the other night that it's utterly depressing at this stage to see, the, you know, the people coming to you who want you to advocate for them to get them, you know, onto the housing ladder, whether it's a, a social or affordable house. And it, the list seems to be getting longer and longer and longer. And I don't blame the local authorities here. But what I do think is that there needs to be a greater urgency on the Department of Housing and local government to ensure that where projects are proposed by local authorities, that the turnaround project, the turnaround time for those projects needs to be speeded up. Because it seems to me, from my own experience as a TD, that, you know, when you talk to local authority people, you know, with the best will in the world, they're dealing with the department. And then sometimes when housing projects go into the department, it seems to be that they get lost in the black hole of Calcutta before they come back down again to the local authority. And I think there's there's something there that needs to be to be sorted. And, and what I also don't understand is that if you take the average sale price of a house across Munster now is about €200,000. And if, if the rental price across Munster, this is according to daft.ie, if the rental, rental price in Munster is €1,000, you know, surely be to goodness there's a way of building houses that are affordable, that allows you know, a builder to take a margin off that, but also to deliver the house because the land, you know, at an affordable price because the land banks are there to be able to build the houses now. And we also need to turn over the number of what we call voided or vacant buildings that are there at the moment, of which there are quite a number in the local authority at present. If there was a greater drive on the, depart- on the part of the department to fund local authorities to turn over those empty houses at the moment to get people into those houses, we would get the social housing list down. And also, I think the whole issue of, for instance, where, where people have gone into nursing homes, where we have literally you know, thousands of houses across the country that are empty at the moment where older people have gone into nursing homes because of the rules of the nursing home scheme, you know, the house remains vacant because there could be a charge against the property. And I think that needs to be tweaked to allow for families, for instance, maybe to rent out the house, to derive an income and, and keep a house 
keep a house lit and keep a house warm and put put people into those houses maybe on a rental basis, uh, you know, for a short or medium term, you know, for the short or medium term, you know. So there, I think there's ways of tackling the, the, the housing list, but they are growing. And I think, you know, we just need to be more imaginative now. Uh, and I think the state needs to be more proactive. And I think the fact that you have a Fianna Fáil minister now, you know, where traditionally maybe Fianna Fáil would have had a strong role and dare I say it, there were Labour ministers and Labour housing ministers through the 30s and 40s and 50s in Fine Gael or coming the Nail uh, ministers as well, who who very much believed in the, the role of the state in delivering houses. But I think, and I'm not being overly critical of Fine Gael because we were in government with them, so we're partly culpable for this. But if you have an over-reliance on the private sector, uh, I think you need a, you need to have a mix. And I think that the pendulum needs to swing back now towards the state to invest heavily and and manage and control and run projects to deliver the pro- deliver the housing that people so badly need. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that the last 20 years you mentioned there did not work for when you had private developers building houses and then maybe a certain percentage of that particular new estate was handed over to the council. It also caused grief for Marion Texan saying uh, that I think it needs to go back to the way things were simply because there was more houses available for those who needed it and there was less grief in housing estates. Uh, in our housing estate where I live, I paid 250000 for my house and then someone next door moved in and got it for Free or at a fraction of the price because that house was handed over to the council. No offence to the people who moved in. We're great neighbours and we get on. But there is some in the estate who look against them because they did not pay the high price for their house like others did. And that causes a rift in the estate which we don't want. Uh, so it, to go back to the actual... You can see Marion's point of view there. I'm, I'm sure, Sean, like so many others, it is frustrating when people have uh, bought a house at a certain price and then they see others just getting a house and that frustrates them. Uh, going back to the council side of things, the land banks you mentioned, is it a case that the sites are too expensive now compared to back in the 60s or 50s? I, I, that is, the cost price is, is, a, is a big element of this. And obviously, uh, you know, you're, with the advent of time, you have, you know, inflation and cost inflation in terms of building materials. Now, you know, uh, they've reached, uh, I'm told that there's, a, you know, a year on year increase of, you know, somewhere like 10 to 15 percent. That figure would have to be checked in terms of the cost price of uh, of materials. And that adds a massive amount then to the cost price of the house. But if you if you take the fact that the state owns land banks and just to go back to the point that your your listener made there, I think you will always need a, a housing mix and the part five provisions, I think, will probably always exist. But I think that should be a secondary feature. The primary feature of house building should be that you utilise the land banks that you have, of which there are a considerable amount across the, the county of Cork. You uh, ensure that, uh, you know, because you have economies of scale and if the local authority is the owner of the site, you know, I think it allows the local authority, for instance, in terms of, you know, having some leverage in terms of cost of materials to be able to, to, to move into that space. But I think... The capacity to do that has been lost over the years, and I think we need to maybe return to some element of that, where the the local authority, you know, becomes the the key or the you know the anchor tenant, working with the the private sector if it if needs be, uh, because the private sector has the know how to do it, but the public sector needs to be the key owner uh, and the key driver, if you will, uh, and I, like if if we have land banks, I think what land banks 
what anybody who comes in to tender for a project, I think the ideal scenario would be if if all of the services were laid out uh, day one. And there has to be some imaginative solution to that. I'm not a builder. I don't have an expertise in construction. But if you can set out the site, if you can, like they do in other countries, if you can provide the services at the, what they call the subterranean level, you know, the sewerage, water, electricity, if you can do that to begin with, then you can come in and you can start building your houses. And that takes a large chunk of the cost out of it as well. I, I just think, John Paul, that we just need to be imaginative now about in terms of how we deliver houses. And and we just haven't been. And I think that's a that's a plague on all our houses politically. But yeah, that's, it's, it's a good point. A, there is an opportunity because what I'm seeing as well, for instance, is like with COVID, with this pandemic, like we're seeing a lot of layoffs now uh, of of employees in the 20 to 24 category who are all for the most part renting and they're renting across they're they're working in sectors like retail arts construction you know the food sector hospitality sector and a lot of those people are renting if they're losing their jobs and if the covid-19 payment is is going to be reducing it puts them in a precarious position in respect of the very properties that they're renting to be able to, you know, pay their rent. And even though you have a moratorium, what we've called on the government to do this week, and they've given a commitment to do this, is to extend the moratorium so that there's no evictions. But but what you want is to give hope to that uh, demographic of people, the people who are in their 20s and 30s now who are fast running out of hope that they will ever be able to own their own homes. And what they're looking for now are radical solutions. And it can't be just... It can't be partisan. I think we all we said in the doll the other night on our motion that we'll work with the housing minister. We'll give him a fair crack at the whip, and we'll do everything that we can to help the minister uh, to deliver homes. But but we just need that political urgency around it now. Okay, well, it is uh, something that a lot of people are agreeing with that we need to look at this alternative and look at building, as you mentioned, especially for those in their twenties and thirties who are looking at the housing market, simply can't get on the property ladder no matter what they do, and they don't want to be uh, like we've had over the last ten years, driving and commuting an hour to and from work and realizing it doesn't work out for them and then have to move again. Uh, so we need to look at that and look at the whole issue of, of how they get around uh, the well, land bank issue and, and the cost. For the moment, Sean, we'll, we'll await what happens and we'll see what the new housing minister will see what he can achieve anyhow over the next number of months. And one final point, John Paul, yeah. just just why not introduce a rent-to-buy scheme now, for instance? Where like that was it, mentioned before, yeah, because yeah, exactly. rents are so high. Rents can be actually higher than your mortgage if you went to bought, bought a house the at the point. moment. This is exactly the point. And if the average rent price in Munster is €1,000, you take a couple, you put them into a house, put them on a rent-to-buy scheme, build the house for them, put them on a rent-to-buy scheme, you know, create a, a package for them that allows them, you know, to own their own home ultimately, but start them off on a rent-to-buy scheme. And I'm not talking about the shared ownership scheme where mm. the local authority owns part of the, you know, the the, 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 the the mortgage, if you will, because that didn't work historically for a lot of people because the interest rates were too high. But something imaginative like that, I think, would work. And, and this is what what we will be devoting our energy to, you know, over the coming years. And, you know, I, I wish the new minister well, and I, I look forward to working with the new minister. And I, I, I appreciate that you're short on time. Just on, on the whole issue, I know you've raised it on your programme over the last number of weeks in relation to disability services as well. Yeah, and the huge issue. Yeah. And, and just to say very briefly to you that I spoke with Dr. Cahill Morgan yesterday, who is the HSE National 
director, if you will, for disability services, because I've, I've been trying to address the HSC on this issue over the last couple of months about seeing a clear pathway for people who use services to be able to return to services. Now, he is to come back to me uh, and, you know, either today or on Monday, because I've asked, you know, for a clear protocol and a clear timeline to be put in place for people to return to services, because you you know, the Inclusion Ireland report, I think, was very clear in terms of the survey that they carried out, which showed that there was still a lack of clarity about the return for people to services that they've availed of. And I don't understand why, on the one hand, you can say, look, you can go back playing sport, you can, you know, there's a timeline for returning to the pubs and restaurants and so on. But what about people in disability services? Yeah, and it's putting families under severe pressure. Huge pressure families are under. So So let us know what comeback you get on that as well. We work on that. All right, Sean, for the moment, we'll leave it there. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, That's Cork East Deputy Sean Sherlock. And I'm sure going on the calls and texts we get in, a lot of people would see the housing situation to move maybe in that direction and see, will that solve the issue? But your views are welcome. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. If hundred people are at a match, do those who hold a season ticket will they be left in? Well, we did check in with Finbar on that, and at the moment, there's no real clarification. But the county board are going to issue a statement and an update on this before the game starts. That's what Finbar believes at the moment, anyhow. Uh, so we'll let you know when they have full agreement on what will happen in that particular scenario. Court today. Court today. With JP McNamara on C103. C103. A few calls coming in from the Mitchellstown area regarding water. I can tell you uh, there is a burst water main in that area. It is affecting supply to Marshallstown, to Glenahulla, and also to Mitchellstown. It will be ongoing works that is uh, until around four o'clock this afternoon. So after four, you should have the water restored to those areas there in and around Mitchellstown. Now, a lot of calls and comments in on the topics we've been discussing, uh, such as the outbreak of COVID and JA teams, how they deal with this, uh, also housing and the tourism uh, sector. That's on the way your comments on those. But uh, we got a lot of calls from Kinsale over the last few days and this was due to an advert that appeared in the local paper as we saw it in the Echo in relation to an offshore wind farm that's planned for the area of Kinsale. So the the majority of concern was about could they be seen from the shore. We contacted local councillor Kevin Murphy on this and he joins me. Good morning to you Kevin. Good morning John Boyle. How are you? I'm fine thanks. I suppose the main concern here from callers and locals in the Kinsale area is would this offshore wind project be seen from the shore in Kinsale. Uh, now, when we look into it more, it's believed anyhow it's going to be located near the Kinsale gas fields. Is that being decommissioned this week? It is. I think this, this week or next week, I can't be sure, but it's um, it's uh, end, of its, end of its its life anyway, coming to an end very shortly. And um, I presume this is... I was just wondering why, why, why we go so far in this one. It's, it's about 11 miles off the shore. Mm. And um, there must be something to do with, uh, with lanes. This is just an investigation, in actual fact. It's not an application. It's an investigation. They look for a, a foreshore license for to investigate um, turbines off the off the uh, off the coast. And that's about ten or eleven miles out now at this stage. So while they investigate this, they're obviously looking at the proposal if they could go ahead and develop these turbines there. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's exactly right. And um, I suppose we should look. To the future for a start off. That's why we look at the uh, uh, John Paul. From my perspective, 
we've we've been all been <clears throat> we say um, expecting to see some decent proposals and progress on renewable energy. And <clears throat> here we have an, op- an opportunity of these people, who, and I don't think these are the developers or such, these are just the proposals, um, that they would uh, look seriously at uh, locations for uh, wind turbines off the coast of Ireland. Well, of course, we have we are uh, very, very rich in, in wind, in actual fact, over the last 12 months or the last five or six years. Wind has become a major factor for, 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 for Ireland, and no better place to have it out than the south coast uh, overlooking Kinsale. I feel that, it, that there's no way that you could see the, um, the turbines unless they're very, very high uh, from the coast. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And um, this, this is why the investi- investigations go on. Does it happen in the Marine? Well, first of all, give them a foreshore license. That's the first thing. And um, they can say the gas field now is closing down. So I was just wondering, are they using part of the gas field? Or is, the, is, it, is, this a separate, is this a separate place now where they have cordoned off a certain section, which in actual fact they'll invest do several, several investigations inter, inter, and research into how they go to actually stabilize these particular wind turbines. The wind turbines, seemingly, what they do at the moment is that they drill sort of into the bed of the rock um, in the coast itself and anchor the floating uh, turbines uh, on the top of the sea. That's what we're told. I think that's, what, that's how it happens at the moment. Um, and, of course, people will have concern about the, the impact we'll have on, uh, the visual impact, if you like, they'll have on the, on the, on the coast. I don't think they're going to interfere with the coast. And I, I was just wondering this morning um, why didn't apply for some sort of a, a license or some sort of a, an application to the county council as well, because I'm assuming that whatever current is produced here will have to come on board, will have to come on land at some stage in some part of the south coast. And I don't know where that's happening. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned there, you know the area very well. Uh, the, the concern we're getting outside of the town of Kinsale is around that particular area. You could be looking maybe from uh, the Old Head down that side or over to Tracton yeah. or Nohoville. People are worried that uh, in other areas like that, that they may see something from the sea, but it's unlikely, you think? Well, this is, yeah, and, and they're, they're, 
obviously all sorts of new dimensions that this station are, are going to be worrying people and have concerns. But I feel there's an, an immense amount of, uh, which we call it, of um, positive thinking here for, for once because we've been dealing with this for a long number of years now to get as much as much renewable energy into this country as, as possible. Um, and that's been called for over and over again by lots of experts, and rightly so. It's clean energy, and of course, obviously, there's, we have buckets and buckets of, uh, of wind. And, uh, and certainly, I'm a bit disappointed that we haven't made any progress, or very little progress so far, on wave energy, because we have buckets of that as well. Uh, on the coast, and uh, certainly, if that could make some some progress as well, it would be very welcome as well. You know. Yeah, and the council are looking towards that as they look ahead for the next twenty years. They are mentioning about renewable energy here in Cork, and as, as the country looks to weigh in from the the gas fields that we have there off Kinsale that are being decommissioned. Uh, this is something. That this is the future. This is the fact. This is what we will be looking at. This is what we're after, and uh, an actual fact, like we we have a, a major part of our county development plan, which allows us to investigate the possibilities of getting renewable energies in lots and lots of areas. So uh, we're, we're going the right direction. I think that's that's positive. No, there are obviously there are worries and concerns that people would have in relation to the visual thing and in relation to the environment, the environmental section. But I think that, I think like that the benefits will set, will well outweigh the actual concerns that these people have. And um, as I say, this is only an investigation. This is a, it's a foreshore. It's an application for foreshore to investigate the possibility of putting up wind turbines. That's what it's all about. Okay, and so the applicants. It's not, it's not a should be a major concern to people. Like there are other issues as well, uh, uh, John Paul, which. I know people, lots of people are concerned about the health issues and these things, mm. and rightly so. But we, we have now a, a, an application in for a mast inside in Kinsale as well, which is a, it's a Vodafone mast as well. And again, people are, are having serious concerns about the effects of this, where it could be 5G. There is no such thing as, as this so far. This is a replacement of an old mast, a timber pole, which is up on top of the rock in Kinsale, and it's been replaced uh, by a mono pole. Which is a is a it's a it's a, a multi a multi if you like a, a multi draw if you like for 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 uh, improvement to Vodafone connections around locality and by God do we want it very badly and I'd be very supportive of that as well and I didn't see any issue with a Vodafone five G so far on that yet you know but that's just replacing a mast it's not a new one going up yes and this is just mm-hmm. a replacement pole so really I, I think John Paul we like. Restore minds at ease at the moment. What we're talking in terms of here is an investigation as to the possibility of putting up wind turbines off the coast of Ireland, and obviously that must go through a major process and and uh, and be and be go and must go to the county council as well. Obviously, I'm sure if the, if somebody if they're lending something in some place, they'll have to they'll have to go to the county council for permission there as well. And there's a the one thing I I be I be I be afraid of, and I suppose maybe the people concerned, the fishermen themselves would have. You know, spawning beds out there, and all of it. You know, this is this is this is. This yeah, is that's my next issue for fishing. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and now the other thing is, I suppose, you know, marine traffic lanes as well. This is all part and parcel of, we say, location, location all the way along the line, and they'll have to be very cautious as to where they exactly they're going to lay to they're going to lay those turbines. They cannot be an impediment to fishing, and they cannot be an impediment to. Uh, fishing lane or um, marine lanes or such, you know, or shipping lanes, because that's very important. It's, uh, it's critically important out there. That's 11 miles off the coast. It's very far out. So really and truly, they will have to, to um, ensure that all these concerns are all these addressed as we go along for a full 
blow, a full-blown application. Okay, well, we'll wait and see what Apple's uh, yeah. Simple Blue Energy are the company behind this. We did contact them for a statement and we are awaiting one from them for the moment. Kevin, thanks for joining us explaining what is actually is happening there off Kinsale. And as I say, we'll, we'll find out over the next few years, I suppose. Anyhow, yeah. on that particular matter, thanks for joining us this morning. That is Councillor Kevin Murphy there based in Kinsale on those concerns from locals that if these particular wind turbines did go ahead and at the moment this is just uh, investigating uh, the issue of even just establishing turbines out there uh, 11 miles off Kinsale but if they were to go ahead would it be visible uh, from the shore uh, would there be issues there to do with health and the concerns from fishermen and it's uh, Kevin outlining that there uh, but there's a long road yet to go with that particular project if it does uh, get off the ground uh, thank you uh, for your calls and comments on that just more coming in first of all Lee says what about us here in Mid Cork who were surrounded by wind farms coastal areas are now going to be hit as we were here in high areas of Mid Cork Cork if you look around Lee says a Nad or Liar or Buin or Dunamore all you can see on the high ground and the mountains is just uh, wind farms uh, says Lee and you're right if you travel those roads from McCroom across uh, country to Mallow you will see those particular wind farms stretching from Ballinagree Mill Street right over uh, to Dunamore and Wien and those particular areas uh, so yeah Lee has a point there and Dennis uh, says the farmers won't reduce the herd or plant trees the folks inland don't want wind turbine and apparently the lads by the sea are the same there is opposition to the Celtic Inconnector and and no one seems to want nuclear. So we are facing a climate disaster where everyone apparently agrees that something needs to be done, but no one will do something or make concessions. I think we will be paying uh, the fine to the EU forevermore for failing to meet our targets, says Dennis on text to 86 Now on the issue of the GEA, and this is something we spoke about earlier on the show to our GEA reporter, Finbar McCarthy, on the two clubs who have suspended GEA in West Cork within the Carberry division because players from both clubs there were in contact with a person who tested positive for the coronavirus. The clubs have come out, uh, Argadine Rangers uh, based in Timaleek and Ballinus Carthy uh, saying they are suspending play. And uh, this was because uh, it was claims made that one or a few were at a house party and one person obviously was at the house party who uh, did have some uh, type uh, or or was in contact with someone with the coronavirus and got tested and then proved they had and tested positive and that's why all this has happened. Anyhow, it's something that has happened in other areas of the country and will continue to happen. Everybody is out and about now but the virus is still there. Uh, So this is going to become the norm unfortunately as people are allowed to you know, gather in houses up to a certain amount but people will still gather with social distancing in houses. Anyhow, on this, uh, Joe says, any responsible chairperson of a GAA club should halt all training. Just look at the national figures. They are climbing. Getting kids back to creche and school in late August is what's important. Not training and matches. Plenty time for sport when the virus is banished, says Joe on, te- on text. While Liam, uh, also on phones to 1850 Liam saying, these young people down in West Cork should be ashamed of themselves. Have they no cop on, says Liam. Elderly people are living in fear, afraid to even not go out to the shops. It's not fair, uh, Liam says. Uh, he was chatting to Bernie and City earlier in 1850, So there's mixed views. A lot of people uh, realise that this is the future. This is the way it's going to be. And GA clubs will have to monitor this and, and try and work around this. And rules will now be made and decisions, further decisions and further statements will be made uh, this afternoon and over the weekend on matters like this from the county board. Uh, but people have different views and fears 
feel that nobody should be meeting up and, and this is leading to situations like this. Uh, your views are welcome. On the housing situation, we spoke with Cork East Deputy Sean Sherlock on why we need to go back to a situation we had in the 40s and 50s of building huge housing estates. Uh, they were known as council estates and the local authority would have built those at the time and that solved the housing needs then. Uh, needs to be done now, a lot of people say, and so does Sean, uh, especially as rents continue to climb. But on that, a uh, texter here saying that uh, that particular talker, who is Sean Sherlock, is right. We need housing, but we need cheap housing. My husband and I are in our late 40s. We could afford a deposit of 25k, but we can't get a mortgage. We earn too much then for social housing and we just need a cheap house for rebuilds um, in Ireland or maybe using uh, the Rebuild Ireland scheme. We would now have to leave Cork and leave work and move our children to the west of Ireland to try and get a house. We are willing and able to buy a house for 100k or a site even and we could put a log cabin house Realistically, uh, we would pay over €150 a week then when it comes to tax and PRSI. But we will never own our own home at this stage and we continue to pay €1,000 a month in rent. That's huge rent. Uh, And why you can more or less prove yourself that you are and will be able uh, to pay back a mortgage. I mean, if you're able to pay €1,000 a month in rent, surely then you could pay a mortgage which would be lower than that, you would think, because rents at the moment are higher than those who pay a mortgage, depending where you live. Uh, And Eileen saying she grew up in the generation when the council built a lot of those houses, but they did not always maintain them. And then, Eileen says, they allowed the people to buy them out at a reduced price. But then they had no property to pass on to the next generation of people that were in need. There will always be people who can't provide a home of their own, but the houses need to stay in state ownership uh, feels Eileen on that particular issue. On the issue of tourism then, John in Clonakilty says I see in Killarney staycation deals and I'm looking at one for €358 uh, bed and breakfast. It's in a hotel uh, but John says you can fly to Barcelona stay in the same star hotel for four nights for the same price as Killarney. Uh, John feels the rip-off is starting uh, and he says that was for two nights in a hotel in Killarney. Uh, well, John, on that, uh, and as you mentioned there, you can get a four-night stay for the same price uh, as Clarny in Barcelona. Um, obviously, you can only travel if it's essential at the moment. Uh, that's the advice from the health department. But outside of all of that, uh, because there's so much talk about this over the last few weeks about Clarny and prices and different hotels, a lot of people are looking at the higher rating stars of hotels and that's why they're paying a higher price because they're paying for what you're getting. But also, I just did a quick search on Booking.com and I found a hotel for four nights for the very same price that you found but it's for four nights whereas you found for two and that very hotel I'm not going to mention any names but the hotel is in the same street or same road uh, that your hotel will be on so you can get value I mean I got 358 there for four nights and in, in a, a good quality hotel I've I think I've stayed there in the past. Uh, it's a three-star anyway. And you can get good quality, but you just need to look around. And if you're choosing the more expensive hotels with the higher rating, four or five stars, then you're going to pay more. But, you know, there is a deal there for four nights at that 358 price. But also, we got inundated with calls when we mentioned this uh, two weeks ago on the show from people who said, well, why are you looking at the same spot then? Move elsewhere. Look elsewhere. The tourist destinations, they are going to be high in price. I, I think it was Noreen who was on to us who 
wasn't happy with somebody that was comparing prices and she said she looked elsewhere and she was looking here in Cork at great value uh, she was looking in and the value was between four and five hundred euros for a week with two kids uh, she was looking to West Clare to Galway to Westport and Mayo and she said there was great deals but like everything in life you have to shop around people seem to click on the same hotels and expect a deal when there are other hotels nearby she was saying at the time that had the same value uh, and maybe better value so if you shop around John there is good value there uh, but you need to, to keep searching uh, and uh, you will find an eventual uh, something uh, that will suit your price and uh, what you are looking for. Thank you for your text to 0862103103. On the way, we are going to be l- discussing that issue and I know we had this as well last week from the South Cork area, Crosshaven and Marshallville and that area of Cork uh, where people are basically going along to the beach and they're going for a party and they're leaving their barbecue, their uh, rubbish, their beer cans all behind them. It's happening as well in East Cork. We'll discuss that next. C103 Jobs. And on today's job spot, we have opportunities for in the Charnival area, Charnival Plant Hire. They require a qualified mechanic for maintenance of their hire and motor fleet. A full clean driving license is essential. You can email your CVs to info at cphlimited.ie. And experienced fast food assistance, they're required for a busy takeaway in Bandon. Full and part time positions are available for an immediate start. You can email your CV to info at daniels.ie. And a driver is required for livestock haulage agricultural and livestock handling experience would be an advantage a full clean Arctic truck licence and up to date CPC course is essential you can contact 087 for further information and these jobs and more now they're online at c103.ie Cork today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 now last week Crosshaven we were getting calls from about people leaving behind disposable tents and chairs and barbecues on the beaches in Myrtlestown and the Fountainstown area of South Cork. Similar now is happening in East Cork and Clean Coast Balnamona founder Pranchias Ochuma joins me on this. Good morning to you Pranchias. Good morning John Paul, how are you? I'm fine thanks and thanks for joining us. Now you guys unfortunately are having the same issues as those we spoke with in South Cork and it's items being thrown around like rubbish and beer cans. What exactly are you finding there when your gang who are voluntary by the way are out cleaning up after these people? Um, I I suppose you're finding a plethora of things really. Um, You're finding beer bottles (laughs) both both full and empty. Um, Broken glass uh, you're finding rubbish, tents, chairs, disposable barbecues, uh, sanitary items, um, used toilet paper. Um, uh, <laughs> like, I mean, used you, toilet paper. Yeah, used toilet paper. I mean, you, you, you name it, we'll find it. Do you know what I mean? So you're saying so that there's, there's tampons and used toilet paper lying around, yeah. and people leaving them or leaving them after yeah. them on a beach in East Cork. Yes. 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 Oh. You wonder what there's clientele no, is heading no, there. There's no way to actually dress that up. There's no way. No, to, to you can't. Or, no, you can't. I mean, look, this is what we're finding. And look, this is not normal behaviour and this is not what most people do. This is just a minority kind of a, a story, a case story where it's it's so abhorrent that this is making the news. I mean, we were, um, it's many thanks to Own English and the Irish Examiner, I suppose, who covered it, you know, during the week mm. because it was on Morning Ireland on on. Tuesday or Wednesday, Wednesday morning. It's been on Cork Bio. It's been on many, you know, news outlets because this is what's happening. I mean, not only just, I suppose, the fact that people are treating um, tents and sleeping bags as single-use items and the equipment we are coming across is new. 
right? It's 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 just been used the once because the price tag is still on. You know, the, you know the packaging is bought down with it. The price tag is we we've, we've seen. You know, I suppose receipts as well. We you know you, you know exactly that it's, it's new. It's getting a single use. It's getting a one night or a two night kind of a, a stint. And 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 I think these wouldn't be seasoned campers. So I think invariably. If we, um, if 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 there was rain overnight, <laughs> we know the mist is going to be worse because they really like their home comforts because they don't want to be messing around. They probably haven't the tent erected properly, or someone's fallen into it. The rain is coming in the tent. It's not really an enjoyable experience when it comes down to it for them. So that's why they're leaving the stuff there. If they have a fire, and um, I mean, as was the instance in, in three weeks ago in Panamona, I mean, they brought down. You know, there were several tents there. They brought down two hammers to, to peg into tents and um, the hammers were, were even put into the fire, you know. So, I mean, like, it, it's it's just incredible the way people are thinking and how people are, I suppose, treating the, in, the environment. OK, if you don't care about the environment, think about it as, let's say, beach users like my little boy or who I'm looking at in through the glass here. And it's mad to say hello to you, but we'll do that for another day. Uh, so, like, Orin was with me. Orin is going to be four in, in August, right? And there was broken glass there. And I suppose what the big difference with last Sunday's Beach Clean is that there was three of them still there packing up kind of their the things that they really wanted. And it was, I think, I suppose they felt huge shame, huge embarrassment, because with social distancing, our Beach Cleans are limited to, to 15 people or there, thereabouts. Um, and I think we can increase that, which is great. But um, and to kind of maintain social distancing, and it, you know, there was seven or eight of us over there with the three um, revelers, let's say, and we spent an hour. So when you add that up, it's actually one person spending eight hours to clean up after a bunch. Do you know what I mean? And and then when you when you add in the labour of the, the three, which was they were kind of they had their hoods up and they kind of hiding their faces a little bit, you know. Um, they were embarrassed. They were they were hugely, I suppose, ashamed. Um, and look, it's not like I'm a school teacher, John Paul, in in a school in Middleton. I'm a homeschool community liaison, and I witness great behaviour most of the time. You know, so this is really just a minority who, and, and it's understandable why maybe someone wants to get out um, and get and get out into you know meet their friends and meet their you know families and whatever have you. Um, so look, it's not normal behaviour. You understand it, but look, there's better ways to celebrate. There's best, better ways of coming together and maintaining social distancing. Because Fergal Bowers only tweeted yesterday that 77 of new COVID cases are in those under in those aged under 25. Yeah, and uh, I mean it's obvious from uh, the various parties we're hearing about that could be a factor. It may not be a factor, but it possibly is a factor to what is happening because it shows also the virus is, is out there for all ages. And when you mentioned there that when you were cleaning up the beach, you, you saw people uh, who were kind of hiding, I suppose, or ashamed of what was lying around the place. I mean, have your volunteers ever spoken to anybody or are people in the area who were looking over beaches? Are, is, is it clearly evident there is late night parties or late night bonfires on the beaches? Look, this is very evident that there are. Uh, I mean, again, um, several weeks ago, the whole unit C of Middleton Garda Station were down down the Mona. Um, there was about 60 teenagers had converged down there. Um, and, and the whole unit C were out there in, in Middleton because, I mean, there's great concern for the area. There's great concern for the place. I mean, we are very reliant in East Cork on tourism. So, I mean, let's come back to the simple analogy. If you're going to, as we said at the start of the segment, right, that we found sanitary items like tampons and used toilet paper, right, we're very reliant on tourism. 
We're very reliant on people coming down, spending their hard-earned cash down with us, right? We've got the opening of the, the hotels like the Gary Vaux Hotel, um, Bayview, Castle Martyr, pubs, eateries, so on and so forth. They're all beginning to eat up. So it, to, to open up for, for, for food and and staycations and whatever have you because there's nowhere else really to go, right, for, for the majority of us. So if you're coming down to our beach in our neighbourhood and you're seeing this, you're not going to be inclined to come back and you're probably not going to be, you're probably going to be turned off your food anyway. So it's not just an environmental point of view. It's kind of like the whole, um, um, like, you know, COVID business where um, people are, are, are struggling, businesses are struggling. They've had a hard couple of months and I, it would be not only just the decent thing from, you know, please take up, take your home, home your crap with you, but, you know, for, you know, to leave it. It's not just a place for you. It's a place for everybody to use, including my own four-year-old, that he doesn't have to walk and step in your broken glass. Totally. And also, you mentioned wildlife there earlier. I know that particular area, uh, several species of birds are in the area. It's kind of like a national habitat for different populations. And you want to protect the, the wildlife in the area as well. You, you do. You do. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's a beach. Yes, right. And, um, and we are meeting the NPWS. Um, we had this agreed, you know, several weeks ago. We're just trying to tie down a, a time and date that suits everyone that we can go in and actually figure out, you know, a proper beach management plan for it. Um, but I mean, it's it's like for for it's it's a very it's it's an SPA for eleven species of bird, right? Sixty three percent of Ireland's birds are either red or amber listed, right? Biodiversity is not having a good time. And um, one of the birds it's protected for is curlew, and there's only 120 breeding pairs of curlew left in the country. Um, we had a good news story out of it recently because ringed plover, another amber-listed bird, um, successfully, a, a pair actually successfully fled two chicks on, on Balnamona and, and they would have laid their eggs on, on the, the, the foreshore and the sand, the shaley bits, you know. And if anybody wants to see the picture of the chicks, Mark Shorten on Twitter has those pictures as well. But I mean, look, John Paul, I suppose, ultimately, this is a minority. I mean, it's a minority bad behaviour grabbing the headlines. When when you look at this, right, there's so many other good stories, right? As you know, let's say we've got the East Cork Biodiversity Networking Programme, which has many tidy towns groups and community councils in, in East Cork as part of it. And, I mean, other county councils are actually looking to us to go down and have them set up the same thing. Um, the credit unions, Yall, Cove, and the Health Services staff, credit union, um, have actually given us funding to plant 7,000 um, native broadleaf and, and apple trees in East Cork this year. So that's a fantastic project. And there's going to be hundreds of school kids who are going to be getting involved in that from, let's say, public school in the Chinoida and Yall. There's Cove Tidy Towns, there's Yall Tidy Towns. There's, there's loads of community groups getting involved. And actually, if any of your listeners in Cove direction, we would have a few sites down in Cove because I suppose COVID came along and it kind of um, interrupted uh, our, our plans and our preparation. So if anyone in Cove, be it... Um, uh, sports clubs or schools or residence associations would like us to go down and have a look and we, we would help them to put in a, a, a micro woodland or a micro orchard well then get in touch with us through through the normal channels. But look, back to um, the, the beaches, look, if if there's any message, right, to come out of this, right, um, I suppose what was new for us last Sunday is that we witnessed parents or people old enough to be parents of these people being collected in cars. So which is, um, which kind of, uh, uh, look, when, when you're picking up your kids, right, and you're, you're um, maybe ask them, oh, where's the new tent or the sleeping bag yeah. that you brought down? 
Or uh, why you letting them in the first place go to a beach exactly. if they're that young? Where is it? I, I, I don't seem to see it in your bag. Did you get everything? Did you pick up everything? Um, or you carried in the lots of lots of beer, lads, and cans. Um, where are all the empties? Because there's no bins there, and there's generally no bins in these sites. And, and do you know what? That's not the purpose of, of bins in these scenic spots anyway. And um, and maybe when you are going to pick up your, 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 your kids, maybe get out of the car, because these parents did not get out of the car, none of them. Um, maybe go down and see where they camped and see what kind of a place they, 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 le- they left it in and the, the situation they left it in. You know, so look, parents, you know, they're always going to be your kids, whether they're late teens or early 20s or whatever have you. They're always your children. And, you know, parenting doesn't stop there either. Very true. And social responsibility uh, is the word that we're lacking, unfortunately, for the last few years in this country, What is, which, of course, is leading to the situation there where you are in East Cork and elsewhere in the county for the moment. Prontius, uh, thank you for that update and well done to all your volunteers there across Clean Coast and Banamona and indeed all over uh, the region there of East Cork. And uh, hello to your son, Orn, as well. Hopefully, uh, he, hopefully he won't have to deal with that mess over the next uh, few years well, anyway. He He's mad to go for beach cleans all the time. Now, <laughs> well, that's good. Go out, which is brilliant. He's going glitter and, you know. He'll learn at a young age. So that, 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 that's a good thing. Great <laughs> Very good, Francis. Take care. Uh, that's Francis Otuma there joining us from Clean Coast, Balnamona. And what's happening on the beaches in East Cork? Uh, we heard similar from South Cork and I'm sure it's going to be unfortunately happening in other parts of the country but it all is really boils down to social responsibility and stupidity in a way as well that people would go along and do that and leave a mess behind them. Anyhow, your views are welcome. 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and yesterday speaking to Katrina Toomey from Penny Dinners on the reality of our homeless situation in Cork. She mentioned the night riders of Penny Dinner who go out at night time and deliver food to those who are sleeping rough on the streets, especially now because of the COVID restrictions. And we'll hear from those night riders next on Fiona's Frontline Diaries. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 You can keep your tweets coming as well to at C103 Cork on Twitter. And one has come in from Pat on Twitter and he's responding to an earlier texter from Caroline who when we were speaking about what has happened within the GAA community and why some clubs are suspending uh, training and games because of an outbreak of Covid Caroline said is this not a warning if numbers are rising due to house parties what will happen when the pubs open fully it's a huge mistake opening the pubs a cause for concern said Caroline earlier well Pat says tell Caroline Covid-19 is going to stay the problem is house parties are not doing any guidance Guidelines. Pubs are and are not opened yet. Pubs doing food are tracing and distancing, but fail to see how 50 with food won't get it and 12 in a one metre apartment could. In a pub, uh, you will you may get it. Uh, do we need to give pubs or do we need to give up life altogether? Uh, Pat is saying. So making the point that. Uh, you know, you, you, it's still out there and you may still get it um, and that the problem, you know, I suppose, isn't really going to go away but do we need to give up on life altogether uh, and not do anything? Uh, Pat is making the point, which other people are and it's it's just a, a, some, a point that people are confused over because do we stop everything in our life or do we continue as we were 
and live with this virus while dealing with our own social responsibility and indeed social distancing and how do we work around that I suppose uh, thank you for your points there on both text and indeed uh, Twitter you can tweet to at C103 Cork uh, more as well on people who want to stay Kate and when John in Clonakilty was talking about the prices he found a lot of people are coming back saying you know if you shop around there is good deals there we need to support our own tourism industry as well as they employ so many in the various aspects aspects of our county but there is deals people need to shop around and also think outside the box uh, thank you for your text on uh, that relation to John and Clonacilty on the cost of uh, staying in Ireland and uh, your reactions there that particular text coming in from Anya on 0862103103 now yesterday we spoke with Katrina Toomey of Penny Dinners on the homeless situation in the city currently and she mentioned the night riders who during the lockdown were handing out food to those who were sleeping rough on our streets now they continue to do this and we have the chance now to hear directly from those particular night riders because this week's Fiona's Frontline Diaries she went along to speak to those people who volunteer with Pity Dinners as night riders and this particular piece features six of the volunteers who were on the bikes and in the kitchen preparing the food. Well we started the, the night rider team in, uh, in February and up the servers in March as no one else was on the streets and we became aware of the vulnerable rough sleepers where and we knew we had to mind them. Like, mm-hmm. Damien and seven other Cork Penny Dinners volunteers set up the night riders during the lockdown. William joined the team in April. We just head out every every evening and cycle around the whole of Cork City, making sure every every person on the street gets a hot, nutritious meal. Basically, make sure everything's all right with them. If they need anything else, any any other further assistance, we can help them with. So just making sure they're all well and. Safe, really. Martin explained to me how the operation worked on the streets. And they collected all the vans and the van would drive around and we'd get the food and then we'd drive down the alleyways and see someone give them food and go back to the van and get more, more food and do the same thing again. So would you ever have a chat to them? When you were oh, you would, yeah. You would stop and you would chat away at them, like, see how they're getting on like, and see how they're feeling. And driving that van was Tomas. It was scary because uh, homeless people was exposed completely. Streets were dead, like, so... They're quite visible. So that's why night riders appear. They they can drive all small streets and fight them. Back in the kitchen at Little Hanover Street, Ray, along with a group of other volunteers, prepared 130 hot meals for the night run every night. We never closed during the famine times. Storm Ophelia came in and noticed. We stayed open for this. And then we made a decision that we're going to keep open virus or no virus and, and we did there weren't no virus going to beat us Volunteers in the kitchen also prepared hot meals and snacks to dish out to hundreds of people every day one of those is Philippe come here about six days a week now since the 19th of March usually I work at the UCC so at the moment I have no work so I come here to help And what's the experience been like for you here? Oh that's very good so it's like a, a family I think you know, you learn a lot of things, nice people, working with nice people, and then I learn something, you know, not to judge uh, people that are coming here, you know, because everybody have a different story. The night Riders finished up this week and the team said the experience was a real eye-opener for them. Basically, it just showed, showed me the harsh reality of living on the streets of Cork. It also showed me how dependent 
all those people there on us and that as well like it's just quite sad as well and, and upsetting to see the amount of people that are out waiting for dinner and you know it's just can't be good for the pride like sometimes it's quite good fun sometimes it's scary because we nearly every second day call ambulance for somebody or call Gardi. it was all via anderson's key where a fellow was lying dead on the floor being revived like for nearly an hour like i never said to me because i could have been in that years ago like as well you know what i mean while the night riders have finished the operation continues at little hanover street with some changes people can no longer eat inside because of covid19 health risks but those in need can collect a meal from the front door Ray says the lockdown resulted in a significant increase in the need for the service and it's an experience they'll never forget. Because, like everything else, things shutting down, business shutting down, people had the financial whereabouts, do you know what I mean? So then you're looking after different kind of people coming to the door that they need help. And as we, I said, already said, it's a team effort. And like some Michaels in the kitchen, Philippe, Ollie, the chefs, like they've done crazy hours, like crazy in the good sense hours. And everyone done with a smile. Yes, there's bad, there's bad days, that you're tired, you're whatever that is, but then you just get on with it, like, you know? And again, when we look back on it, like, in weeks to come, I mean, months to come, it's, you know, it's hats off to everyone here, like, you know? Not saying we need a pat in the back, because we don't do pat in the backs, but you realise that, you, you know, job well done by everybody, like. And great work there as well by all in Penny Dinners, but especially the night riders of Cork Penny Dinners and the service they're providing there for those homeless across the city. And thanks to our own senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, who went along and spoke to those there at Penny Dinners. Now, just go back on the point that Caroline made earlier about pubs and pubs that they should not open and Pat reacting to that on Twitter. Something else Pat was saying on Twitter, uh, just getting back to his comments on indeed pubs and why maybe we can't stay or everything can't stay closed forever because COVID is going to stay around he was making the point that house parties are basically not going by the guidelines pubs and those that aren't even open yet are planning to go by the guidelines those that are are opened are are going as much as they can by the guidelines Um, but he also goes on to say that he fails to see how 50 with food won't get it and 12 people who may be standing one metre apart in a pub will get it. We do need to give uh, everything a chance. We, we can't be giving up on life um, or do we need to give up on life was the point Pat was making but still when it comes to bars and pubs a lot of people feel they should not re- should not reopen but as Pat and others are making the point do we stop everything or do we continue on and learn to live with that particular virus? Your views are welcome. Uh, There's mixed views uh, coming back from people who feel now as the rate increases and the the cases slowly increase, especially amongst those under 25, do we need to relook at everything? And there's no uh, confirmation that the pubs will reopen on July 20th either. Uh, Everything was down to a phase-by-phase basis and they said they would need to look at everything. Anyhow, thank you for your comments in relation to that. Also, uh, when we were discussing uh, tourism earlier and people getting good value uh, a texter here saying I got a hotel in Salt Hill for the that's Salt Hill in Galway for the end of July a family room for four people and it's 240 euro for two nights it's a beautiful hotel and that is great value so there is good value out there if people look around and regarding the story we're going to go back to more callers on this after midday and this is how two clubs have suspended GA activities in the Carberry division of West Cork 
as players await results of tests for COVID-19 and it's because one or a few of the, the people who are in contact with a person who may have tested positive or who did test positive for the coronavirus and they became in contact with them at a house party the claims are last weekend well Mary uh, on to Bernie earlier on 1850 says people need to remember this happened at a party not a GEA club why should we stop playing it only takes one player we the GEA are being very responsible this was not spread in the GEA session I took offence to the comment from that person that said GAA should be cancelled because we are very responsible and we are very safe uh, says Mary on 1850 and a texter saying do we have to wear face masks going into all these matches well again that's up to each individual person uh, because it's mandatory to wear face masks on a bus on public transport you're recommended to wear face masks if you're going into a shop or if you're going to a supermarket or in in an enclosed space so you will be recommended to wear a face mask going to a match but legally uh, there's no one can force you there's no mandatory thing at the moment anyhow to make you wear a face mask at a match but you will be recommended to do so and finally here we did speak about this earlier on this week from callers in Formoy who were unhappy at the amount of spaces that were closed off in Formoy Jones says yes Yesterday, there was chaos on Patrick Street in Formoy at the Sintra car park and all due to the lack of spaces on the main street. Uh, the Sintra store has a small car park and because of the lack of spaces on the street, because the, the spaces on the street were closed off, there was mayhem on the main street of Formoy. Traffic and people looking for somewhere to park. So that was a bad decision, uh, says Jonah in Formoy, uh, about closing off those particular parking spaces on the main street in Formoy. 1850 is Cork Today. Cork Today with JP McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. But I go back to the issue of housing and also to the issue that the GA are facing now uh, with uh, people who are uh, facing the issue of being in contact with someone who has uh, tested positive for the coronavirus, how they can deal uh, with fixtures and how we deal with the issues of house parties that are going to be taking place now because people are allowed to meet up. Anyhow, uh, that on the way with your calls. But first, just to catch up on a number of WhatsApps into the programme over the course of the morning. And first of all, uh, Michael in Castletown Bear. Uh, he's uh, raising the issue that is uh, coming in on Pascal Dunahu, of course. Now, this is Pascal Dunahu now who has been elected president of the European Group of Finance Ministers uh, over the Eurozone because it was looking that the Spanish... Uh, finance minister could get this and that was the uh, way of thinking uh, but no Pascal has got that particular job and on that Michael says this morning we as a nation have to congratulate our finance minister Pascal Dunahu securing the third most powerful job in Europe president of the European group of finance ministers the group which is the economic engine for the eurozone and the single currency it is a massive appointment for Ireland as a tiny nation nine or ten years ago we wouldn't even have been mentioned it truly shows the respect with which he and we have held by his colleagues in Europe. It also proves without fear of contradiction that the work Pascal has done in finance is well worth noting. Also, a massive very well done to those behind the scenes on helping him secure the position in a very hotly contested situation. Yes, we can rest assured that Pascal will serve Ireland with 100% commitment. Thanks, says Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear. And believe seemingly 
and listening to reports out of Europe uh, that, uh, as I mentioned, Spain weren't very happy, but the bigger countries weren't very happy. They were convinced that one of those countries would get it. Spain was tipped to bust. Seemingly, the smaller countries in Eastern Europe voted for Pascal because they felt that he would understand those countries more and they considered Ireland to be one of them rather than the big countries such as Germany, France and then Spain as well. Uh, but Germany and France in particular who would make a lot of decisions and the Eastern European countries felt they'd make the decisions and then the rest of Europe would have to go along with it. So they're hopeful uh, that uh, our finance minister, Pascal Dinehu, will make a difference in Europe. On the issue of the Children's Hospital, Heidi says, good morning or good afternoon, JP. Uh, This hospital is stalled again. Can you believe this? When considering to build was at a cost of under a billion, and then it went to 1.4 billion and then to 1.7 billion. Now the thinking is it could be as high as 2 million. This has to be a joke when you think that Bantry and Mallow local hospital were asked by the local people to upgrade. The HSC has done nothing to help in this, I think, says Heidi. And then you wonder how they can keep finding money to throw at this particular hospital. We have a great local hospital that people need and want sorted, says Heidi. And yes, there is overruns there and delays uh, with the particular uh, children's hospital but a lot of it is deciding who should pay for the extra costs now of reopening that site following a lockdown earlier this year when all those construction sites had to close. On the issue of the pubs then, uh, pubs should be kept closed. Drunk people don't adhere to guidelines. It would be cheaper to give publicans the COVID payment than provide for thousands of sick people sick people, their care and their families' care if they die. Not to mention financing extra nurses and doctors. Surely common sense should prevail until medication or a vaccine are available. Desensitisation is setting in with regard to life, says that particular texter. Well, another texter saying JP, I heard Michael Collins on your replay of the show last night on local lockdowns and he mentioned Dublin. But Washington Street and Patrick Street was a disgrace last Saturday night. The same as Dublin and tourist towns are looking the same. So we need to look at the Cork as well before we keep mentioning Dublin, says that texter. And on the issue of housing, uh, Michael and Mallow says this government and the last government, they don't change uh, the zoning laws. And if they don't go ahead and change these particular zoning laws in uh, the country, well, there will always be homelessness. Michael has a site adjacent to his home and they cannot get planning to build on it as it's on a national road. He said the building regulations here in this country are farcical, uh, says Michael in Mallow to 1853. 103. Well, Councillor Bernard Moynihan was listening to our conversation earlier to Cork East Deputy Sean Sherlock on going back to what we did here in this country in the 40s and 50s and building council style housing estates. And he joins me because you agree with Sean on what he said, Bernard. Uh, thank, thank you very much, John Paul. I completely agree with Sean, Deputy Sean Sherlock with regard to building houses. And I completely empathise and understand where he's coming from. It, people contacting me on a daily basis looking for houses all over Dohalla, Cantork, down in Charleville and in Mill Street. But we, what we need to do is get back to where we were in the 40s and the 50s and go into uh, villages and towns and in the old style, Cork County Council would be able to build houses and we have sites available. And th- those houses are badly needed in the areas. And also we have the schools, we have the facilities, we have the GA pitches. We have all the facilities available in those in those areas and to keep the, the whole vibrancy of the community alive. And I certainly am pushing and I'm pushing that we, the council, be allocated funding from national government to build houses in um, 
all over the, the, all over North Cork really for the, the, the housing list which are increasing on a daily basis. And when you mentioned there are sites available, are there sites the council own available that land could be built on? Because that was one of the issues on land banks, the cost of sites now compared to no, well, uh, th- those days. Are, are those sites you, you mentioned there, are they council well, owned and, and would they be available for houses to be built on? Are they suitable? Yes, there's houses, there are sites in Fremont, Valley Desmond, Cullen, Kilbrain, all those villages, we, there is land available there right now, owned by Cork County Council, and we need to get the funding. We have the land. We need to get the funding from national government to build the houses. OK, briefly, uh, Bernard, before oh. I let you go, Ballymacor Cross has come up over time and time on this programme again. I know there was another collision there, unfortunately, last week. Any updates on what can, what has been done and been worked on with this cross? I know you've been working on this. There was talked of around about and other ideas. Any update on the work with well, the, there? The position, the position, as I understand it, is that it has been agreed with Transport Infrastructure Ireland, TII, that it will be a roundabout at Ballymacor Cross. This is a very dangerous junction, which I'm contacted about on a daily basis by emails, texts and so forth. And I, 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 I sympathise with the people who are involved in the collision there during the week. But my understanding is that the surveying has been done and this project is ready to go in 2020. But I am, in, I am, to be honest with you, John Paul, concerned with regard to the government and government formation, whether this uh, project will go ahead now. And I'm certainly following it up to, to make it happen. And why are you concerned? Because the Greens are involved. Well, I'm just concerned. I mean, I'm very concerned that we need to get as our projects are shovel ready, such as Ballymacquirk, the Link Road in Cantork, and, other, and uh, the M20 and the new hospital in, in Mallow. All those projects need to be fought for, and we need to follow them through. The school was announced last week in Cantork. There's a big difference between announcing a school and building a school. And we need, and I need as a local councillor, and local people expect me to fight. And, and make sure that these things are delivered for the hollow. Yeah, because that cross, I mean, it is being used more and more. People in Cantork will tell us that all the time from those who are Absolutely. now moving to those areas from the, the city. Highlighted, just highlighted last week uh, with Patricia Messenger by Michael Minehan, the, the, the queue of traffic from Ballamacquirk travelling into Cantork, travelling home from Cork on a daily basis, the amount of people commuting and so forth. That junction is a critical junction in 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 Duhalla for people travelling from Rock Chapel, wheeling all those places into Cork City for medical appointments on a daily basis, even myself travelling to County Hall. And certainly that project needs to be financed and needs to go ahead. It is shovel-ready. It has been identified by the government that they will finance shovel-ready projects. And I am certainly going to fight as the damnedest to get that project over the line. OK, well, we'll wait and see what happens, Bernard, for the moment. Thanks for contacting us this afternoon. That is Councillor Bernard Moynihan on the issue of housing and also they're just asking on, on Ballymacore Cross, which does see a lot of traffic, not only from Mallow to Killarney, uh, but also crossing from Bantir towards Kenturk as more people have moved to those particular areas over the years. I want to go back to the story we spoke about at the very start of the programme. This was about the two uh, GA clubs in West Cork that have suspended GA activities as a number of players await uh, results uh, for COVID-19 uh, it's believed that uh, pl- the clubs were in contact or those involved and some players in the clubs were in contact with a person who tested positive for the coronavirus but the claims are made that it was at a house party uh, last weekend and that has raised the issue then of house parties because during the week we also uh, had calls in from Bandon Town about a house party there and the Gardaí dealt with that and we had a statement from the Gardaí on that particular matter uh, Eddie Goggin who is editor of 
of the Band and Opinion and the Opinion magazine in West Cork joins me. Good afternoon to you, Eddie. Hi, John Paul. How are you? Uh, thanks for joining us. I'm fine, thanks. You uh, made a statement on the, your magazine's Facebook over the, well, last night after hearing what's come out, I suppose, uh, from the GA scene and also this week in Bandon Town because you feel and you're disappointed and shocked at what's going on. Well, we are because, you know, we're only reflecting what we got into uh, the magazine yesterday, phone calls and text messages and so forth. Uh, the situation is that we've been keeping a very close eye on COVID in West Cork and how it affected the place. And um, overall, it's been very, very good. You know, um, apart from Clannacilty, unfortunately, that, that got a, a bit of a hammering with, with 55 cases. Uh, Bandon was next then with something like 24. But it was Skibreen and Dunmanway and Bantry um, all had less than five, you know? Yeah. And um, then you had places like smaller villages like Newcastle, Artfield, Bernadie, uh, Timmy League, Ross Carberry, they all recorded less than five cases. Uh, Quartback of the, the villages was the exception, okay? It had eight cases. But West Cork, by and large, did very, very well in um, keeping the virus under control. And, uh, and great credit to everyone concerned, from the Gardaí to the healthcare workers to the general public. And I'd have to say at the outset, I think most young people are very responsible. And I, I, I'm not a killjoy. But surely to God, it's not rocket science to realise you cannot put 60 people into one room and expect it to be safe at the moment. When you think of the first communions that have been cancelled, the confirmations, the weddings, the, the grief that has surrounded funerals, the pubs that are just not serving food, still not open, the school graduations affected. Surely to God, you know, when, you, when young people think about all of these and the implications it has had on um people's lives and, and, and the deaths that have been recorded uh, as a result of, of COVID-19, they must exercise responsibility in relation to parties. And, and it's up to parents to um, facilitate maybe outdoor gatherings uh, of a smaller number, uh, which would be safer. Like, no one is trying to, like, I, re I really do feel sorry for young people. They have had to do all the heavy, a lot of the heavy lifting in recent times, and they've been affected, and even going back to college now, University of Limerick, they've, they've announced the timetables, and they're going to be on campus one week and four. Like, it's going to be very tough. It's tough on young people. Very tough on young people. Yeah, and you know yourself, Eddie, when you are at a young age, especially in your early 20s, you do want to be out partying. You do want to enjoy the social scene. So they are finding it tough, and that's why maybe house parties are being organised. But if they are that young, in your post, you said, shame on the reckless parents, which you mentioned there. Yes, but like, Would you ask parents to be getting involved and in asking where their young people are going and are but parents as much to blame on this? Yeah, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. And, like, let parents facilitate smaller gatherings where there's social distancing involved outdoors. The, the key to future uh, safety in the coming weeks and back in schools is ventilation, provided there are masks being worn and there's social distancing and obviously the wash of the hands. But, like, you can't expect uh, 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 put trouble if you put people, 60 young people, into one room and all it takes is one. See, what's frightening at the moment and why, why I was tempted to, to, to go on Facebook myself and this uh, this morning was that the reproductive rate now stands at one. Hmm. All it will take 
Now, we were down at 0.5. All it will take is for that reproductive rate to go up to 1.5. And we're back to where we were in March and April. And the economic, social and health consequences of that are frightening. Like, I'm very close to the businesses here with the Opinion magazine, and I can see some businesses will never recover. And the COVID payments can only go on for a certain length of time. And I would just dread to think that West Cork will be closed down again in August, September, and hairdressers and fashion shops and shoe shops and, 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 and restaurants and the whole lot will have to close again. So as a local there, Eddie, you, you must be very disappointed. So hearing of the house parties we've reported, hearing the news over the last few days, are, are I, you saying you're disappointed disapp- with those involved in, in, the, in those situations? I, so? Absolutely disappointed. With them. I, I, I can't understand because, as I say, and I do feel sorry for the young people. I keep on repeating that. But what I would say is that, and most young people are responsible, and a lot of these people are are, 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 are role models in their own right in sports and yeah. so forth. But everyone will have to just realise that, that that it's a very dangerous game at the moment to put 60, you saw the video there of Waterford uh, a few weeks ago uh, 65 people coming out of one room, uh, of one, one, one house party. So that, that's absolutely ridiculous to the world in this day and age, uh, until such time. Like, I suppose what's most infuriating of all, really, John Paul, is that we're on the brink literally of eradicating this virus out of our country. Like, we were, we're very good. Northern Ireland don't have no debt at all in the last six days. And, OK, we've had a few. But overall, we've been very, very good compared with the best in Western Europe at the moment. And we could very easily slip back again. And, like, even yesterday's statistics weren't overly positive. Now, as the doctors said, and never and, and, and said yesterday, it's not, it's not a time for alarm, but it's certainly a time for caution. And we in West Cork have, uh, having been so successful in containing this virus, uh, all it will take, as I say, is for for this productive rate to increase further, and all hell will break loose again. Okay, Eddie, well, you're making some good points there on that, and we'll, I suppose, we'll know, and we'll have to wait and see the effects of all of this over the next few weeks. For the moment, Eddie, best of luck to you, and thanks for joining us with your view this afternoon. Eddie Goggin there, who is the editor of the Opinion magazine in West Cork, and his disappointment on what news is being heard this week of parties being organised in that area. 1850-333-103. Colm and Buttervance regarding the housing says the council were building houses up to the 90s and beyond, and then they get rid of all the building crews and outsource the work. That is where all the problems started. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie And Kilbritton GAA, they have rescheduled their Golf Classic for Friday the 21st of August. If you want information, you can contact the members of Kilbritton GAA to organise a teams or indeed to get more information on Tea Times. And Dunmanway Family Resource Centre have experienced volunteers available to speak with anyone experiencing anxiety or indeed difficulties at this time. You can contact them on 023 885618. 
Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And let's take a look now at the local papers across Cork County like we do each and every Friday as we encourage people to buy local papers to support local media here in the county of Cork. And we'll start with the Avenue this week. And this is the story the Avenue have on Bambor Planola. They have overruled a planning decision by Cork County Council whereby 19 houses in Rathcornwork were not to be occupied until a range of conditions were met by housing developers. Now, the housing developers, Abden, the conditions were originally sent down by Cork County Council and they had said that services in the adjoining housing estate would need to be taken in charge and that all snags dealt with before the developers could proceed with the 19 houses and a crash in the particular area where they're going to develop. However, following an appeal by the developers on um, Planola has decided that such requests by Cork County Council were beyond the remit of Abdon development. Uh, that story in the Avenue. Also in the Avenue is the bollards and the traffic chaos that we have got calls from in Formoy and what we heard there earlier on from Joan and the traffic chaos that caused yesterday in Formoy town. And also in the Avenue this week, uh, this is where Kilworth man Noel Clancy has invited embattled government minister Barry Cowan to come and visit the graves of his wife and daughter who were killed in December 2015 following a crash near their home in Kilworth with a driver on a provisional licence. Barry Cowan has dealt with and explained away the issue of drink driving, but I don't think he has addressed or recognised the fact that continuous unaccompanied learner driver is a serious issue Noel Clancy said on Wednesday he said I haven't spoken to him but I will invite Barry Cowan to come down here to the cemetery where my wife and daughter are buried and I will explain to him the serious problem with unaccompanied learner drivers Uh, Noel Clancy speaking to the Avenue this week and those stories are in the Avenue newspaper let's move to the Southern Star where they write about how a former TD has reacted sharply to a a tweet even from a new deputy this is where the in battling Fianna Fáil members were fighting last week because of what was going on there and I know the, the big talking point was how uh, Michael Moynihan of Cork Northwest was overlooked for the junior ministry position many felt he should get something because of the work he has put in over the years on that Christopher O'Sullivan uh, the Cork South West Fianna Fáil TD he tweeted saying now more than ever Fianna Fáil need unity and focus there's so much work to do there's no time to sit around feeling sorry for ourselves and being pissed off about being overlooked for certain positions let's get the job done uh, but the former Fianna Fáil Cork South West uh, Deputy Margaret Murphy O'Mahony tweeted back saying is there not a more private forum to convey this message to your colleagues well on this uh, the Southern Star did speak uh, to the Fianna Fall uh, chair uh, of John Lachlan of Fianna Fáil in West Cork and he says there isn't any uh, or hasn't detected any bad feeling between the pair and he says they encourage openness and transparency in Fianna Fáil in West Cork in debate through all forums and that includes social media so there is no rift uh, within uh, Fianna Fáil in West Cork also in the Southern Star Court McSherry still not on the Walt Atlantic Way maps three years later and this is how locals are now a non 
tonight that there is still no sign of the agreed discovery point in the village. Also, uh, Barry Holland, of course, uh, who will be spoken to here on this show, he's chair of the Seven Heads Peninsula for Tourism there. He said that the blue Wild Atlantic Way stickers, they went up on the roadside signs in the middle of June last year, uh, but the village is still not on the Wild Atlantic Way map routes, something they want to address there in Cork McSherry. Also, there's a renewed warning over dog thefts in the West Cork area now and the West Cork Animal Welfare Group have spoken out about that. That's also in the Southern Star newspaper this week. From the Southern Star to the Vale Star and their story is how, well, good news because it's a planned expansion at Irma Ireland in Kilmallock. It's been facilitated by the decision taken last week by Limerick City and County Council to sell a parcel of commercial land at Kilmallock Business Park to the company. So good news there. And also the newly appointed Minister of State at the Office of Public Works, Patrick O'Donovan of Fine Gael. He has pledged that the Limerick to Cork M20 motorway will go ahead. He says the new government has a very ambitious capital investment plan and the Limerick to Cork as well as the Limerick to Find roads, which does include the bypass at Adair, are included in the National Development Plan. And the news also in the Vale Star this week of how the Charnival Half Marathon is now being called off. Uh, that's the Charnival International Half Marathon. It's one of the latest high-profile sporting events to fall victim to the coronavirus pandemic after the North Cork Athletic Club. Uh, They've confirmed uh, the cancellation now of that event which was due to go ahead of course in September of this year. And to the Mallow Star where it's planned uh, in a headline in the Mallow Star uh, to hold the Tip O'Neill International Summer School in Mallow next year. Its main aim is to bring and strengthen the links between the United States and Europe and Mallow in particular. Now the school I will build on the work of Tip O'Neill and the committees are in Mallow and Donegal and they've been working over the last 30 years or so and also the hard work of the Heritage Committee and Mallow Development Partnership and indeed the former Mallow Urban District Council, Kenturk and Mallow Municipal District and Cork County Councils and the City Libraries, they have all worked on this to bring what would be a big event and host the Tip O'Neill International Summer School in Mallow next year. Also the council are going to delay uh, pedestrianisation of a street in Mallow, the Mallow Star Report uh, because this was to pedestrianise the section of the main street of Mallow and they had been put on hold after Cork County Council management was told that it would not be practical until the Northern Relief Road is built and the COVID-19 crisis has passed. Uh, Councillor Pat Hayes told the Mallow Star that under public realm uh, plans for towns and proposals was presented to close the street from the corner of O'Brien Street to the clock house with O'Brien Street being made one way and motorists then would be diverted up and down the muddy hill. Uh, but because of the lack of a relief road and everything going on with COVID, uh, the locals would say that will not work. I don't think it would considering the traffic in Mallow at the moment. Anyhow, that story in the Mallow Star. Also, they talk about the Carhamie Horse Fair, which of course is cancelled this year to the Carrig Down and advanced works on the Carrig Line Western Relief Road have been completed, preventing possible delays in the construction of the Western Relief Road, which is in the final stage of its tender process. Good news for those who travel in and around Carrig Line. 
a busy spot these days and travel to work in those farmer companies as well located just beyond Carrigaline because Cork County Council has carried out several advanced work contracts in the past number of weeks to remove risks that may impact the construction of the Western Relief Road. Such risks can cause delays or lead to cost overruns on a scheme and their removal before the start of the construction contract leads to greater cost uncertainty and a better outcome in the terms of public expenditure. So hopefully those works uh, who are well advanced at this stage will go ahead and continue in Carrigaline and to the Corkman newspaper and they write about how Cork has an extra ministry in the new government. Joe O'Brien of the Green Party is a TD from Double from Dublin Fingal or Fingal and he hails originally from Granada in North Cork and he was amongst those nominated for a junior ministry role in the government last week. So the Green Party TD Joe O'Brien well the Granada man he has been appointed with the Minister of Responsibility for Community Development and Charities which is a crucial role at the moment due to the crisis in funding many charities and community associations are facing due to the containment of fundraising activities all of course again due to COVID-19 also in the Corkman this week uh, we're reading about a mother of three young boys who has said she is living in fear of rats coming into her council house in Charnival. Eleanor O'Driscoll is the mother of John Seven and Tyler Four and two-year-old Paul and they live in Rosewood Drive in the North Cork town of Charnival. Eleanor has appealed to Cork County Council to help her deal with the issue of rodent infestation at her house but says she has been told that this is her responsibility though it is a council property. Eleanor has said that she is worried about her kids because she says they can't even go out and play and all their toys have been thrown away. Uh, that's an issue there from the Corkman in the Charnival area. And finally, speaking of politicians and what has changed regarding government appointments over the last week, uh, Cork East TD Sean Sherlock wasn't the only member of his clan to be allocated a football be- bench uh, within the Labour Party because on Tuesday, Senator Marie Sherlock, our first cousin to Sean, has been named as the party's employment affairs, media, arts, culture and also Gail Talk spokesperson by the party leader Alan Kelly. Uh, Senator Sherlock, she hails from Carrick Navarre, is a proud Cork woman now living in Dublin and she says that she will pay her full attention and particular attention though to improving her command of the Irish language in her role. And there are just some of the stories this week, that story from the Corkman, there are just some of the stories uh, making your local newspapers in Cork County this week. As always, we encourage people to buy your local paper and support local media in Cork County. We're going to the movies next. What's best in the movies what's best to download and stream we'll uh, find out with Mark Malone next You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Cork Today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 And time to check out what's best for download and streaming and in the movies with Mark Malone as we usually do this time on a Friday afternoon to you Mark Hi, Double. Now, you watch this one. It's 7500, which indicates this is to do with an airline. But is this an Amazon production, first of all? Amazon Prime? It's Amazon Prime, yeah, which uh, I'm glad to say I actually have. And so, um, yeah, I mean, when I first uh, kind of... I knew it was an airplane drama. So when I saw the 7500, I thought, is that (laughs) 7500? You know, is that like, you know, the altitude that this plane (laughs) flies in? I didn't really quite understand, but uh, apparently 7500 is actually the emergency code for a plane hijack. Oh, okay. And, yeah, so, I mean, you know, the title of the film gives away kind of what happens. 
basically. Uh, so we meet uh, the co-pilot of this plane, uh, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt here, and we find out that um, his uh, girlfriend also works, um, and he's, pre- he's on this flight. She's an air steward on the flight, and she is the mother uh, of their child. And he uh, works for this German airline, and um, the flight is between Berlin and Paris. Now, it's a German film, which is kind of interesting, but it's, uh, it's actually in English. And the other interesting thing I thought was uh, when the Germans actually do speak to each other, there's no subtitles. Now, there is a way of turning on subtitles, but I decided not to do that. It was almost like they said, look, if you don't understand German, that's fine. But you didn't really need to know because, of course, the drama and the performances are so good that you pretty can pretty much, you know, see and hear what's happening. And it's really, really claustrophobic because apparently what they did do is they, they actually bought a plane and filmed it on the plane and filmed it in the flight deck. Um, normally what you would do is in a movie like this, of course, you would do it on a set. You would split the set in two so all the cameras can, uh, you know, switch between whatever part of the um, of the cockpit that you would use. So it's all handheld cameras. And um, so it's all very, very tight and very, very close up. And because of that, of course, what it does is that it does increase the tension and the drama of the film. It's only an hour and a half long. I found it a very, very difficult watch because the whole time, it's just so tense and it's so beautifully um, performed and so well directed and paced that it's actually a very, very difficult watch. And a lot of it has to do with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and his performance as well. It kind of reminded me of, do you remember the film with Ryan Reynolds? Was it called Buried? Where it was just him and his face. Oh, so yeah. Something like yeah. This, yeah, so for movies like this to work, they have to be really, really well directed, very well edited and paced and have a very, very good central performance. And uh, thankfully, we have that from Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He has, when, when the, the, the hijacking does occur, of course, he's in the cockpit. They're just outside the door. So the door basically becomes this kind of battlefield as they're trying to make their way inside. We only see them through um, um, a kind of a monitor screen above the door. And so, of course, you have the added tension as well. Of course, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, as the co-pilot, cannot leave these people in. And whilst violence is happening at the other side of the door, which, of course, also adds to the tension and, of course, doesn't help him both emotionally and physically because he's already been injured um, during the hijack. It's very, very well made. It's, um, as I say, it's a German film, German director Patrick Walrath. It's his first film, and uh, he is obviously uh, somebody to look out for in the future because it's beautifully made. It's very good indeed. Yeah, and I watched the trailer and it does, it's gripping, I must say. Now, I don't know if that's just the best bits they've put into the trailer, but it is gripping uh, from what looks like start to finish. Uh, out of 10 mark for this, because this is one of the first Amazon Primes uh, that is getting recommended online. So out of 10. I'd give it a good nine. A good nine, yeah. I haven't seen too many over the years I have, but this is the first one. Is this the first Amazon Prime one you've reviewed as well? No, I think I've done a couple of others. Have you? Yeah, um, yeah I've spent... Spent a lot of money during lockdown because, uh, you know, I've, I've got Amazon Prime, I've got Disney Plus, I've got uh, Apple Plus, and in fact, the new Tom Hanks film just dropped uh, there today, and I've also got Netflix, so, uh, yeah. Plenty of choice. There's a lot of movies to watch, yeah, exactly. Plenty of choice, but 9 out of 10, that is good, so worth a watch. 7500 available on Amazon Prime. Uh, that's a good one to check out. And from Amazon Prime, we'll go look at another movie you've got, Mark. This is Desperados. This is a comedy. Yes, and this one is from Netflix, actually. Uh, well, it's a comedy in inverted commas. I mean, it tries desperately to be a comedy, but uh, I didn't find it particularly funny, I'm afraid. I thought it was pretty awful, I have to say. It, and it's not only dumb and stupid, it's really kind of dated, because it kind of reminded me of a lot of the kind of, uh, kind of gross-out comedies of the 90s, and it's almost like they're trying to reintroduce that again. It was just terrible, and it's about this woman who's this very, very silly woman who obviously 
feels as though she can't go through life without a man in her life. And uh, so she finds what she thinks is the perfect man. Um, they sleep together. He then disappears for a week. And basically she thinks that he has ghosted her, that he wants nothing to do with her, and he won't get in contact with her. So uh, she has this kind of drunken night out with her two pals. And they decide to compose this email, this horrible, nasty, vindictive, vicious email. And just, of course, as they send the email to him, what happens? He rings. He says he's in Mexico. He's been in a car crash. He's been in a coma for the past uh, five days. And, of course, all hell breaks loose. And now, what normal people would probably do is, first of all, you would recall the email, which is possible. You could do that these days. Uh, or you would just simply ring him and say, look, I got drunk. I was angry. I sent this very silly uh, uh, email. But, of course, no, because this is a, a very silly movie. And so, therefore, what does she do? Her and her two pals decide what we'll do is we'll go to Mexico. We'll break into his hotel room. We'll find his computer and we'll find his phone and we'll go on and we'll 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 delete the email. And so what Ben tries to be this kind of wacky, kind of silly kind of comedy, just it just simply doesn't work. And it's hard to believe at times because the film is, you know, it portrays women in this awful kind of Texas silly way. And if, if this was made by men, I think, uh, it would be deemed that way, but it but it isn't. It's actually written and uh, directed by women. In fact, the uh, the director of this doesn't even have a real name. Her name is LP, which <laughs> which kind of you might kind of think, well, why not just give your name? I don't really yeah. understand. Maybe she did that deliberately. Maybe she too uh, was kind of disappointed by it. Um, there are some very very silly sequences. You know, there's one where she has to walk naked through a kind of a restaurant. You think, oh, we've seen all this before. If you think this particular scene is funny, there's a scene where and I, I kid you not, where a dolphin flies through the air and a dolphin's private parts slap her across the face. Now, if you consider that to be funny, then this is the film for you. But there's scene after scene after scene like this, and it's just ridiculous. And actually, it's, it's slightly racist as well, it has to be said, because the way in which the Mexicans in this movie are portrayed is really, really terrible. A lot of them are just seem to be these kind of overweight, little, short little men. You know, this kind of stereotypical kind of... Yeah, yeah, which uh, is supposed know, to be gone or kind of taken away these exactly. days when they're making films. Exactly. I think if men had made this, I think it would have been really, really criticised, you know. Then Heather Graham kind of makes an appearance in the three quarters of the way into the film as this kind of yoga uh, teacher. And the film kind of takes this weird turn and it has absolutely nothing to do with the main story. And it, it was almost like they got Heather Graham and let's try and get her on screen as much as possible. Uh, the main actress, her name is uh, Nazim Pedrad. You've probably seen her on things like SNL. Does it the best she can, as does uh, the two, her two friends. Um... But it just simply doesn't work. I mean, it's 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 very very lame, very dated, very boring, and a lot of gross out gags which just simply don't work. And it's a terrible shame. And when you mentioned the various humor aspects there, I mean, would it would some people get the humor? You know, everybody's humor is different when it comes to comedy. Would it suit some people? Uh, well, it's got I think it's got a fifteen percent rating on um, Rotten Tomatoes, mm. and uh, not too many people thought it was funny. In fact, I, I, I can actually see the screen of two female reviewers here um, one says this movie made me embarrassed to be a woman and the other woman says it's among the most abysmal romantic comedies that has ever come out of this mm. century I mean okay, this well, is the kind of reaction to it that. <laughs> and in fact yeah I have to agree with everything uh, I just I just didn't get it it just didn't work for me maybe some women might find, find it funny I didn't okay out of 10 so for Desperados Mexico looked nice so for that I'll give it two. Oh god okay <laughs> 
2 out of 10 for Desperados from Netflix a uh, better rating though for 7500 9 out of 10 for that on Amazon Prime for the moment Mark thank you for that we'll chat to you next week Mark Malone there with our movie review someone on te- text asking can I give the number again regarding anxiety I can uh, that's the Demanway Family Resource Centre 023-885-6818 and also I know someone was asking about the traffic warnings in Mallow are they back and the Cork County Council have said to us uh, that Cork County Council employed traffic warden has taken up duty in Mallow Town since Monday 29th of June so the traffic wardens are back in Mallow thank you for your calls and comments across the morning my thanks to Bernie Murphy and indeed City Madden working on the show this week we'll chat to you again Monday morning from 10am Nick is neck with Feel Good Friday along with Martina from uh, 4 Nick and Martina on the way I'm John Paul McNamara enjoy your weekend stay safe Hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out Quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.